Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to Popping Perfectionism. We are so glad you're here. We're so glad you're here. Thank you for listening. <laughs> like we just get more and more consistent listeners mm-hmm. and, and we're getting reviews. Yes, and it makes my entire day when someone's like, hey, I listen to your podcast and I honestly blank out for the rest because I'm like, they listen to my podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's getting to the point where we'll run into random people and, or I'll be talking to someone at work about something and bring up the podcast. They'll go, oh, I listened to that podcast. That's you. (laughs) And I'm like, is is this fame? Yeah. Is this, is this, (laughs) is this this what being famous? (laughs) Kylie Jenner, do you feel like (laughs) we made it? (laughs) Is this, are we peaking? Is this what peaking feels like? You know, I hope not because we still have a lot to talk about. We still have more people we want to reach. So share it with friends and family and whoever you think would like it. Yeah. And today is kind of a different episode. We've never done this before and we are really excited about it. We took Mm -hmm. questions from you guys a couple weeks ago on our Instagrams. And we just asked you to ask us questions about perfectionism, perfectionism and church culture. We made church culture in general, church culture in general. We made the probably mistake of saying questions about anything. We got some that were exciting. (laughs) Really shouldn't have opened that floodgate, but we did. (laughs) Also, our tummies are grumbling so loud. I wonder if it will pick up on the mics. Honestly, guys, we don't know what's wrong with our stomachs. We both had soup for dinner and since then our stomachs won't shut up. And it wasn't even the same soup. I know. It's fine. I don't. So Whatever. if you hear grumblings, it's both of our stomachs. Okay. <laughs> Should we start with question yeah, one? Yeah. So we're just, what we're going to do, we're just going to go through the questions and answer them. Plain yeah. and simple. But um, hopefully, I mean, this is coming from people who listen to the podcast and our followers on socials. And so hopefully a lot of these questions are either questions you've had or people around you have had. Hopefully we're going to hit on things that people don't really talk about a lot because that's what we're really trying to do is bring light to this whole situation mm-hmm. so hopefully yeah you can like resonate it with 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 a lot of what's going to be talked about but yeah alicia yeah. do you want to take it away with the first first yes, question ma'am. so it says where does perfectionism in church culture stem from this is interesting this is a really interesting like loaded question but i'm just going to start sharing some of my thoughts and you can feel free to jump in but I think perfectionism in church culture stems from the focus on the checklist to do things that make you a good member instead of be helping each other and focusing on yourself, like becoming more like Christ and helping uplift people and help them become more like Christ and just being charitable. Mm-hmm. It goes from checklist to charity, right? Oh, that's oh. <laughs> What? But I mean, I think that's ultimately like where it comes from. It's like, oh, well, so-and-so's doing this and this and this. Or like, I'm not a good member because I didn't like go on a mission or get my medallion. Or like, I I don't know. I'm trying to think of other things right now. But you know what I'm saying. Like, these random checklist things that don't really matter as much as becoming like Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I think we also need to remember, because we also, I mean... We don't want to, like, pendulum swing, right, from a really extreme on this side to a really extreme on this side. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the checklists are there for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. They're there to help us become more like Christ. But so often, we put way more weight on the checkboxes, and we forget why we're doing them. We forget what they're there for. 
And so while they're all good things and we should be doing them, like we shouldn't be just doing them for the sake of doing them. And we also, it is not our place to attach someone else's worth or character to them. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think something else we talked about in our first episode is just like glorifying people in the church too. Like mm-hmm. sometimes we just glorify leaders or people in church history or even the person sitting next to you in sacrament meeting, like assuming that everyone is perfect and has it together because then I think that puts up a wall between us, um, but you know, as fellow brothers and sisters and it doesn't allow us to be like vulnerable and real in spaces and talk about real struggles as followers of Christ. Yeah. And I think a part of that comes from the belief that if you are doing everything quote unquote, right, then you will be happy and you'll be good. And so people don't want to let other people see that they're not doing well because I think often we often jump to, well, are you reading your scriptures every day? Are you praying hard enough? Like, are you, if I could go back, (laughs) if I could go back to sweet high school me and slot myself for every time I asked someone, well, are you reading your scriptures when they came to me with a problem? I would like, I would, I just, I don't know. It comes from a good place, right? Because reading your scriptures and praying does help you obviously, but we can't attach how well someone is doing either physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally to how well they're doing spiritually. Cause it's not always correlated. No. And we place way too much weight on it. Well, and you don't avoid struggle by being perfect or like, yeah, you don't avoid a trial by reading your scriptures every day. You survive a trial by reading your scriptures every day, you oh, know? Alicia. Oh, thank you. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Whenever you snap Write at me, like down. I just get so flustered. I don't even know. Like I Write just that down, everyone. <laughs> um Okay, so this might be like a little bit of a tangent, but someone asked me, um, how can you believe in God when there's so much hurt in the world? I think we've mm-hmm. all been asked that maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or like thought that. How? Like, how can there be a God when there's people, like, dying and kids suffering and there's so much darkness and the world just isn't just and isn't fair, you know? But we agreed to come to earth and have struggle and to go through all of this and to experience pain like death or divorce or, like, upset, just what whatever it is, right? But God doesn't, like, make those things happen to you. God like saves you from the pain of that struggle. He didn't make that happen. He's there to help lift you out of it. So I think mm. sometimes we think that something bad might be happening because we're not reaching a certain benchmark. And it, that's not true at all. It's like, oh, welcome to life. Yeah. Welcome to mortality. Yeah. Isn't it fun? <laughs> isn't it great? Does that answer the question? Are there is there anything else we want to touch on? Where does perfectionism I think anything else we would touch on is going to get answered by the other questions. Okay. And if at the end we feel like we didn't fully answer it, we'll swing back. But I think, I think that's pretty much, yeah, pretty much it. All right. The second question is, um, so this isn't really a question. A lot of the submissions were just kind of like, Hey, can you touch on this Mm -hmm. statement? And so this is keeping a commandment for expected slash imagined blessings and not because you love God. So this kind of goes back to what we were just talking about, right? Doing things for the sake of doing them rather than remembering why you're doing them. Do you remember, what's that scripture that's like, don't pray in the streets or pray wherever yeah. you can see you, but pray yes. in your private places. 
that's don't remember what scripture it is, you know but it's talking about. Yes, yes, yes. And it also, I think that same block of scripture goes into how, like, when you're fasting, don't complain about how hungry you are. Like, let people know you're fasting. Like, do it mm-hmm. in secret. And that's a big part of it. Yeah. That's a huge part of it. Yeah. I totally have moments like that, like Fast Sunday, when <laughs> just that fasting scripture, like, you want everyone to know you're fasting, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and how starving, hungry you are. Yeah. But I think in that same scripture also says that people who do that, it, it says they have their reward. Mm-hmm. And so their reward is getting attention from people. And it's like, great, dude. Good thing you fasted. And then you got people to feel bad for you. That's all you get. Like, have fun. And I've definitely done that a bunch of times, too. And so I think it does just come back to that, not letting the mechanics of the church carry more weight than the meaning behind those mechanics. Yeah. And and putting the emphasis where it belongs, which is on Christ, not on doing everything right. Yes, I was just going to say that. Um, today in church, we were talking about, um, you know, conference and the reconstruction of the temple and whatnot. And I loved everything that the prophet had to say about the temple and it being a place of like safety and strength and so we were talking about the foundation and how it like had cracks right like the foundation Mm -hmm. was not done like how maybe i i can't say like how it should have been because i know nothing about like architecture and building or whatever but obviously it had problems because it needed to be fixed but god didn't expect those people to do it perfectly right from the start he's like just do it and i think sometimes we don't want to start something or do something until it can be perfect. Mm-hmm. And no, he's like, these people are going to do good and just build a temple, whatever. Okay, so someone in, in church said, like, I think this is so important because so many people are leaving the church now. And it just really worries me that they don't have a testimony of Joseph Smith. They don't have a testimony of Joseph Smith. Our foundation needs to be on Joseph Smith. That's what they kept saying. And I'm like, mm, like I know where this person's coming from. Yeah. Because... I do think the Book of Mormon is right. Like I love the saying of the keystone, Mm -hmm. like the keystone of the faith. And I love the Book of Mormon. Like I have such a strong testimony of the Book of Mormon, but we're missing the mark of like the foundation needs to be the things like is God or do you believe that God is your heavenly father? Do you have heavenly parents? And do you believe that Jesus Christ is your savior? You know, like that's foundation. And then like, do you believe that Jesus Christ restored the church through Joseph Smith? Yes. And anyway, so I think sometimes we miss the mark on, like, foundations. And I don't even know why I started talking about that. That answer is the first question, not the one you just <laughs> read. But it just came to me. That's okay. Sorry. We said we were going to swing back. We swung back. Maddie. We swung back. I like it. Um, but, yeah, I think, I mean, that does play into kind of that same vein of just putting the emphasis where it doesn't belong. And that's how we get things so twisted and things so warped. And so mm. I think that in that, I think just being intentional about why you're keeping the commandments and really thinking it through, right? Being mindful, that whole mindfulness mindset about why you're reading your scriptures, why you're praying, why you're fasting, why you're doing your ministering assignments, whatever it might be, instead of just doing them to do them or doing them so other people see you doing them. Yes. There's a super good talk about that. Um, It's called The Greatest Among You by Oh, that is a good one. And he is the one that's like, he quotes that scripture like you have your reward Mm, mm -hmm. and i also like in this comment how it says um keeping a commandment for expected or imagined blessings and i think sometimes we get in like a i deserve mindset and our relationship with god can then be very transactional Ooh, yeah because i did this i deserve this like because i 
uh, I don't know why I'm going to this example. Like, because I served a mission, like, I deserve that wife or whatever. No, that's or a huge because, one. That's a huge one. Yeah, or, like, because I've been coming to church all the time, like, I deserve this. And that's not how it works at all. Yeah, and that reduces your relationship with God to something that's so much less than what it is or what it could be. Mm-hmm. And also, I think it's another talk also by Uchtdorf. Um, it, they turned it into a Mormon message before they changed the name of Mormon messages. And it's about the umbrella one. Do you remember that? Where it's like people think that blessings are like that very transactional. But really, it's when you're keeping your commandments or when you're not keeping the commandments, it's like you're putting up an umbrella and blocking the blessings raining down. And then when you keep the commandments, you're just removing that umbrella. And which I like a lot more because then it's way less transactional and it's more like you're just getting in your own way. Keeping the commandments just gets you to get out of your own way when it comes to blessings. Yeah, because we do get more blessings, right? And it's so exciting. Like who doesn't love blessings? God has all of the blessings for us. Yes. And he is bound. He is bound to like covenant blessings and things like that. But it's so much more than us just taking and giving yeah god is never gonna like withhold all that love from you and blessings from you like he wants so bad to give that to you yeah it's your choice get out of our own way yeah okay the third one says it's another like comment um around judgment they said judgmental towards anyone who's different than you or chooses differently than you or Mm. yeah so there's a lot of judgment we love that right (laughs) like i think I don't know. I know I've felt judged at church sometimes or with friends or even just in life, right? This Mm -hmm. isn't even a church thing. It's just people judge people. And I think um, sometimes you use judgment as a way to, like, make yourself feel better about Mm -hmm. something. Yeah, totally. And I think another part of it is um, we judge people when they are acting out or personifying things about ourselves that we're insecure about. Tell me more about that. I think that if, for example, you see someone with a tattoo and it makes you either uncomfortable or you start thinking less of them, um, I think that that's just you playing out your own insecurities and projecting them onto that person. Because if you're not able to hold, not that having a tattoo is quote unquote like darkness, but in the church, right, we've kind of been indoctrinated with that where it's like tattoos are bad. Or it could be anything like that. It could be smoking. It could be whatever it is. And so if you're not able to come to terms and accept yourself with your own flaws in hand, you will not be able to see someone else who has what you determine to be a flaw or a sin and be able to separate that from how you view them. Because if you're not able to separate that from how you view them, that means you can't separate your flaws from how you view yourself. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think we are um a little bit like conditioned to judge other people because it is um like everything's so like outward facing and very like action I don't know it's it goes back to the checklist thing right Mm -hmm. like you can tell who's doing for the most part what very easily and how they especially if it's something like a tattoo or piercings or how they dress or what they drink or just how they behave it's very Mm -hmm. like behavioral um I think it also feels into self-oriented perfectionism because it's like we just judge ourselves and then sometimes I don't know it's like I'm speeding on the freeway and someone else is speeding but they're speeding more than me so I don't feel as bad yeah when we're all breaking the law basically we're all sinners yeah we all are beggars we really are and I that's my favorite part about the gospel is like no one needs Christ more than me 
and everyone is just trying their best. Like yeah. I really, really believe that. Yeah. And judgment is not going to help us build Zion or build each other up. Like judging your neighbor is not going to help them or you. It's hurting yes. you. Yes, 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 yes. And like going back to to the like the projection thing, like if you can't accept that you're a beggar, you're not going to be able to accept that someone else is a beggar, even if they're beggar attributes are more obvious than yours yeah and if you can't accept that you're a beggar like do you understand who christ is like do you understand the need for a savior and his role in your salvation yeah something that alicia said in one of our past episodes um we used it in an instagram post was um trusting christ and clinging to perfectionism can't coexist because they can't you can't believe that you can do it all on your own and need a savior at the same time it's impossible they can't exist with each other you can't act perfect or try to look perfect and then also be asking christ for help in the same breath yeah right it's true yeah okay so uh, this one is another statement and it just says the gaze yes (laughs) which i love love you (laughs) yes i love and i think that this we, we had a few questions about this about um our LGBTQ plus brothers and sisters and how the church culture affects them and, and how it's um, being played out in the lives of these individuals and people around them. And there was another, there, there was someone who, who also DM'd us who talked about how um, people who are in the LGBTQ plus community often feel like they they're discouraged because because we're told in the church all the time if you just work hard enough you pray hard enough you read your scriptures enough you're going to get answers you'll you know you, you'll find these things out for yourself and I feel like a lot of individuals in this community have been doing that for a very long time for years and they're still in the same place they were before and I don't know I mean I obviously we don't have like solid answers for that considering you know yeah neither of us have like fully experienced that and um, and I think it is a very messy situation, mm-hmm. but I do want to acknowledge that the church culture hurts individuals, especially people within that community. And that even if it doesn't feel like other people care about that or are talking about that, Alicia and I are talking about it. We talk about it a lot. Yeah, we do. We do. And I have like two things I want to say about what you just said. So the whole like just strengthen your faith and pray harder and serve more and whatever and it'll help you through your challenges and your trials and your issues. Um, your identity as an LGBTQ individual, like that's that's an identity. It's not a problem to be solved. Mm-hmm. It's not something that if you just like pray hard enough, you'll work through this challenge. Like it's it's part of people. It's not gonna go away if yeah. you pray harder. And so that won't work. So, um, <laughs> but keep, keep yeah. praying, keep trying, keep like just trying to become the best you, but not with the hope that that's going to go away because it won't. And I wish I knew, I hear people ask too, like, why, why am I this way? Why did God create this me this way? I don't know. I don't know. But there is also one thing I think that hurts, not just our LGBTQ friends, but, you know, members of the church, um, at large in general the emphasis on marriage, like such a oh, strong emphasis here on we go. getting married. And um, the ultimate checkbox. Yeah, right. And marriage is so good and it's so important. And I do believe it is from God. And 
I think sometimes, though, we think about the checklist when the whole purpose of life on earth is to become like our Savior. That's the entire point. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. It's all to become like Jesus Christ. And marriage is often a mechanism to becoming Christ-like because it's so purifying and so hard. Such a challenge. Yes. And so it it is very helpful in that way because it can teach you patience and selflessness and boundaries and whatever you want. I don't know. But Mm -hmm. um, that's, again, that's like not the point. It's not a marital status. It's not judgment day. It's like, okay check the boxes are you married single divorced widowed (laughs) whatever you're filling out a tax form yeah and so we're all just trying to become like christ and obtain christ-like attributes and we are all welcome to do that regardless of sexual orientation we invite everyone to become their best self and become more like christ and you can do that regardless of who you're into or or who you feel you Mm -hmm. are like your identity that's you can still become more humble you could still become more kind and more charitable and we invite everyone to do that Mm -hmm. yeah totally and i think also that goes along with a lot of people submitted this one as well um basically what you're talking about the overarching emphasis on marriage and the um like what what to do if you're single you know, whether whatever your sexual orientation is, what how to function as a member of the church when you're not married, because we do put such a huge focus on that. And we do kind of make it feel like that's the end all be all. Like once you're married, it's like you did it. You got married. Enjoy the rest of mortality. This yeah. is all you know, you you did Congratulations. it. Congratulations. You did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like now you just get to you live among out. the chosen. <laughs> yeah, like. yeah. And then everyone who's not married is like. I am keep doing, praying. Yeah, keep, just pray harder. <laughs> just pray harder. It's yeah. like you know they're doing everything, quote unquote, right. They're 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 going to church. They're reading the scriptures. They're praying. They're trying to be a good partner. They're trying to be a good person, and they're either not married or not in a relationship at all. And I think a lot of people think that same thing. If I just pray harder, mm-hmm. it'll work out for me. But like Alicia said, we're not here to get married. Yeah. And I know it's it's a commandment to get married and I know that it's a an important thing, but it's not it's not what we're here for. And and so I just again, I just think all a lot of these questions are coming back to just we're putting the emphasis on the wrong things. Obviously, get married. Yeah. But don't be like beating yourself up. If you want up. to. And if, if you want to, yeah. Right. But don't I just I feel like a lot of people go to the extremes with a lot of things in the church hoping to get certain blessings and they just kill themselves over this. They're just they're just beating themselves to a pulp, whether it's, you know, putting in way too much effort or time or resources or beating themselves up mentally because they're not there yet. Christ doesn't care if you're not there yet because no one is. No one's there yet, whether you're married or not, whether you're straight or not. No one's there yet. Mm hmm. Yeah, and before we move on to, like, I I also just want to acknowledge and not invalidate, like, the struggle of an LGBTQ member is different than a single straight member. Like, oh, And yes. we totally understand that. And I don't know why. And I'm, and it's hard because I think the church needs to do a better job at, like, creating more space for these yes. members and yeah. feeling more welcomed and loved. And we need you. We need we all need each other so much. We all we all need Christ. Like that's why we're all here, and we try to do a good job at not out like pushing anyone out. 
And if people have done that to you, we're so sorry. Mm -hmm. And it's hard when you don't see yourself in God's plan. Like you don't, I don't want to marry a woman or I don't want to marry a man or I don't want to get married to anybody. Like it's hard to see yourself there. And we don't understand maybe that exact struggle, but we understand a struggle. We We understand that it is a struggle, but you know who does Christ? Like if we truly believe that he suffered everyone's pain and everyone's struggle so intimately, he knows what it's like to be gay. Yeah. He knows what it's like to maybe feel like he's in the wrong body. Or yes. to feel like he understands these struggles. Yes. Right? Yes, exactly. So go to him. He loves you. Yeah, I that's, love you. that's the only answers we really have. Yeah, we could talk about it more if you want, but yeah, that's all I have right now. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for asking. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the next one says, does perfection... Wow. I struggle to read questions. You good, dude. You good. You're killing it. Does perfection culture lead to members not being able to fully express themselves yes the answer is yes see i think that this one this one just comes back to like the fact that there is a cookie cutter member right i think we can all imagine what this person looks like right they've all probably got the same hairstyle they all dress the same they got the same amount of kids you know they're all in the same ish kind of careers. how many kids like six probably <laughs> <laughs> what do they drive like a minivan van? Like yeah yeah and they you know they <coughs> they have a th- i just i just feel like we all kind of can can picture what the cookie cutter member looks like and all of these attributes don't necessarily tie to any commandments or doctrine it's just kind of what we've come to accept as the right version of a member and so i definitely think this culture leads to people not expressing themselves because if you're anywhere outside of that cookie cutter mold you must be doing something wrong or your testimony must not be strong enough. You might, you must not understand the doctrine enough or else you wouldn't be dying your hair blue or else you wouldn't be, I don't know. I can't think of another yeah. example, but well, and perfection culture, it's difficult because perfectionism going back to way, way, way our first episode, perfectionism is like this idea that if you live perfectly and if you hide all of your flaws, you can, Use that as a shield to never get hurt, to never be vulnerable, Mm -hmm. to never feel judged or embarrassed or Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, um, the word I'm looking for, (laughs) just to be like exposed, I guess. Like perfectionism is just this shield to block you from feeling any of those things. And so, yeah, that blocks you from being vulnerable, which is fully expressing yourself. Yes. So the answer is yes. So, yeah, it is. And you need to cut it out because it's not good. And I think this is true in the church. It's true in, like, work. If you have a perfectionist boss, then you're afraid to maybe express an idea. Yes. Because they might shoot it down and be like, that's dumb. Yeah. Or maybe you're just not allowed to share ideas. Or yeah. be creative or innovative or make a mistake or be something different than what's expected. Yeah, totally. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The next question just says modesty. And that's all it says. And you know who you should follow? Yeah. Jennifer Finlayson Fife. And also Dr. Dr. Julie Hanks. Dr. Julie Hanks. Oh, she is amazing. She's phenomenal. There's another one I was going to look it up too. Let's see. Let's find their handles and like tell people so they can look it up. Okay. While you're looking that up. um, I think modesty is a very gray situation. Right. There's nothing that the church leaders have come out with that have said explicitly 
wear this, don't wear this. You know, there's stuff in the strength of youth, right? Where, you know, it has some specifics, but overall it doesn't have exactly. And obviously we have like garments, right? But it's also very subjective about how often you wear your garments. Do you wear them working out? Do you not wear them working out? Do you wear them, you know, to certain activities, to sports, to whatever it is on vacation or not. There's a lot of things about modesty and about the clothes we wear that is very subjective. And I just think... When it comes to modesty, the only answer you really need is what other people are or aren't wearing is not your problem. And that's all. Amen. Because we don't, again, back to we don't tie people's behaviors to their character or their worth. We also don't tie what people are wearing to their character and worth. And that is God's job to judge them and not us. It's not our job. And so if you're taking that on for yourself as your job, Stop. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Because um, <clears throat> you're stepping on God's toes a little bit. And yes. I'm sure he's not loving that. So maybe don't do that. Yeah. I'm just going to lead you to Dr. Julie Hanks. It's just D. Should I, should I even spell this out? No, you can look it up. Dr. Julie Hanks. And then um, Carly Palmer Webb, um, the Christian sex educator. Carly a, with a C or a K? A C. Cool. C-A-R-L-I-E, Palmer okay. Webb, and then Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife. All amazing. And they're all members of the church, which gives you good perspective. Um, Let's see. Hers is just Finlayson Fife. Um, anyway, all incredible. They know way more than us. So we'll just leave it up to the yeah. experts. The experts. There we go. There we go. Number seven says, how do you find the balance between striving to be better and accepting yourself? This is a big one. This is a big one. It's hard because part of perfectionism is like always pushing yourself to the next level. I mm-hmm. think Anna and I have experienced this on a really real level that we were both very high achieving students. Mm-hmm. We both got really good grades. We were involved in extracurricular stuff All and over internships the place. Mm-hmm. and we did a good job. And it's because we pushed ourselves so unbelievably hard. So it's a difficult balance. Yeah, because the whole thing, the whole bit about perfectionism is that you get good results from being a perfectionist. There's a reason people do it. Your results are amazing. Good outward facing results. Outward facing yeah. results. But the process is incredibly damaging. And I think that the line between, the balance between striving to be better and accepting yourself is that... Um, I think there's a lot of ways that you can do this. One of the ways I think is why you want to be better is asking why do you want to be better so that other people see you as better or do you want to be better because you care about and love yourself enough that you deserve a higher quality life. So therefore you're going to better yourself for that. Um, One of our most quoted individuals on this podcast, Paul Parkin, we love him. So he was our professor in college and we had a one-on-one, well, I guess two-on-one mentorship with him Mm -hmm. for a long time he's a genius and something that he said that I thought was amazing was when you're comfortable with your behind the scenes self you're not afraid about what version of you you're going to have on stage because the behind the scenes version of you is constant and steady and you're secure in that and so you can go into different situations and you know kind of Um, We've talked about the chameleon syndrome, which is not a good thing, where you literally morph yourself into what you want other people to see you as. 
But there's also situations, right, where you can put on a more professional side. You can put on a more playful side, a more sassy side. And still still stay true, Mm -hmm. still have that integrity to who you are behind the scenes. And I think that's a big one here where it's is your image and opinion of yourself dependent on what others are thinking of you and how others see you? Or is it dependent on you accepting yourself and then you're able to just highlight those versions of you that are appropriate for each situation? Yeah, I love that. And I think just being comfortable with the parts of you that do fall short. Yes. And what I what I would say for me, the balance lies in expectations and goals for yourself and if they're unrealistic or not. Yes. Because we have unrealistic expectations and self-criticism. Mm-hmm. Those are the two dimensions. Yeah. So uh, we talk about this in one of our earlier episodes, but if you think that your goals are unrealistic for yourself or you're not sure if they are or not, evaluate them with a loved one or someone you know cares about you and just see what they say. Like, hey, do you think I could do this? And they might be able to guide you in another way or support you in that goal. But make sure your goals and expectations for yourself are realistic so it keeps you out of self-criticism and instead it just helps you improve by having healthy goals love it okay number nine we love this question it says are you single oh yes. are we <laughs> <laughs> oh oh we are we alicia and i are single and we are happy we are we and listen listen i don't know who's listening to this but alicia and i kill it at double dates okay i'm just saying we're a good time we are a good time. We're such a good time. So we're not telling you to slide into our DMs, but we're not not telling you to do that. <laughs> we always want new friends. We always want new friends. We love friends. Yeah. That question is a great segue into our other question, which is how do perfectionists date and how does it affect relationships? Well, <laughs> so this one, I feel like... I have had a lot of other oriented um, perfectionism in dating so much. So you guys, if you've listened to our first season, you know, my background, you know, I was raised in a very perfectionist home um, where a lot of scrupulosity and OCD was at play. And because of this, I had very much a pedestal mindset going into all of my relationships, right? Where I kind of saw myself above a lot of people. There are so many relationships that I did not pursue because I saw one flaw in the guy and I shut him down. Good men, great men even. And after a date or two, I completely shut it off because I found out they swear or I found out they watch R-rated movies. Heaven forbid. I literally found out a guy, great guy, phenomenal guy. I found out he watched R-rated movies and I said to myself, I cannot be with someone like that. And I never went out with him. No. Again. And he was freaking cute. No. Yeah, he was Where a dream. Is he now? He's married. No. Probably the woman who loves him for who he is. <laughs> Good for him. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But I that's how I see it a ton in dating is that other oriented perfectionism where you attach someone else's worth or worth of pursuing to minute flaws. Right. Like I'm only going to minute flaws or something like I'm only going to date an RM or something oh, like that or grow up yeah. one of my friends told me she had these cute earrings and she had um multiple piercings on one ear and she took it out and I was like oh why'd you take out your earrings and she goes because one of my guy friends said that my voice just cracked cute. one of my guy friends said that 
um, he wouldn't want to date someone with like multiple piercings. And so he's not sure if like a good guy, like just so you know, I don't know if a good guy would want to date you because you have multiple piercings. I I was like, honey, put them back in. I could kill someone. <laughs> that is yeah. so frustrating. So I think it manifests itself in that way. Like you only wanting maybe the perfect partner. And I think it bleeds into socially prescribed perfectionism just a little bit mm-hmm. because of how relationships are portrayed on social media. Yes. Like my boyfriend is so perfect and he brings me flowers every day and we never fight and we travel the world together and he's just <laughs> my soulmate. Love of my life. <laughs> that's all he is, is my soulmate. And that's all. And my best friend. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm totally. joking. But and in, like, movies, too, right? They only show montages of the good moments. And so then you kind of begin to think, like, oh, well, if there's bad moments between me and a person or arguments or just dull moments, it must not be right. Yeah. Which just isn't true. Yeah. And I think it's difficult because it's not really demonstrated to us how to work through work through relational conflicts yes in movies or in Mm -hmm. homes Mm -hmm. or whatever it might be so that's hard um what else makes it hard dating's just hard (laughs) yeah um yeah yeah yeah. i yeah i mean i was married for three years and i saw that in my marriage too just Mm -hmm. yeah just perfectionism in that way and what you expect it to be like and what you expect it because of what it seems everyone else's relationships are like and Mm -hmm. that's not true so i think a lot of the comparison especially on social media because it just doesn't show we know this uh, social media just doesn't show the dark sides or the dark moments no yeah okay a question 11 i don't know why i've been numbering these this whole time because I don't, <laughs> I think I'm the only one who's been numbering them. And I don't so know. I think I did too. A did little you? Bit. I don't know. Anyway, we're next at question. question. Next question. How does somebody find the balance between toxic and healthy perfectionism? Let me say this to you all. There is not a healthy version of perfectionism, period. Period. Facts. It doesn't exist. It is toxic. That is all. Thank you. Next question. How to distinguish between culture and actual commandments? Did we talk about this? Kind of. I think something that was told to me that was really helpful, like doctrine, like core doctrine and and commandments and all of that can be found in multiple scriptures. So it's not just like one off scripture Mm -hmm. that says something ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So multiple scripture and is said unanimously by the Quorum of the Twelve and First Presidency. Mm. So... I like that. Is that true? I literally don't know, but I think it's <laughs> safe to say. I also do know that President Nelson, this past conference, has a bit, like, I think Saturday morning, he talks about truth and understanding truth. Mm-hmm. So go listen to him. Yeah, I like it. Okay. How do you think the church can combat this perfectionism culture? What would they have to weed out in order to make a difference? Oh, that's a that is a question. Um, there's a lot that we can do. There's so much we can do. But I think, you know, to simplify it, I would say stop doing Christ's job for him. We're not supposed to judge and we're also not supposed to um, save people from their flaws or their sins. 
that's not our job and so stop acting like it is and i'm saying this as much to myself as anyone we all do it um and it also i mean it comes from a good place right well-intentioned place but it's just harmful no matter whether the intentions are good or not it is harmful and let christ do his job he doesn't need help doing his job let him do it yep and i was gonna say start talking about christ more that's what i was gonna say because even when people get up at fast and testimony meeting they're like i like to bear my testimony na 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 you know what i just said like i know the church is true that's what everyone (laughs) says i filled the words in my brain as you said like everyone knows it everyone knows what's gonna be it's like but what do you mean like tell me more about that get vulnerable what do you mean that's true what do you mean the church is true like tell me like how how do you know this Mm -hmm. what are you talking about so i think just being more talking more about christ and talking about real struggle and talking about life like where you're at and building each other up and i don't know i just think there could be a better job at yeah i know i could do better too one of the most powerful talks i heard in church was our relief society president got up um and this is when i was in college so a singles ward and she opened her journal and she said this is an entry from two weeks ago and proceeded to read this entry where she said i am so lonely and i feel like i don't have friends and like i don't fit in and just read us this entry shut the journal and she said i know at least half of you in this room feel the same way and none of us are talking about it and then went into her talk and I was like oh okay so it's just stuff like that obviously you don't need to read your journal entry over the pulpit but like stop acting like you've got everything together no one has everything together so why are we pretending like we do we all know we don't and be one to start conversation yes like be someone to do that and be someone that maybe makes a comment in church or not even in church, like at school with friends or at work that lets people know you are someone that's going to be real and you're going to be someone that people can come to and talk to and feel safe. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what it is. Like what we could do better is just creating a safe space, like yes. create a very safe space where questions aren't shot down, where people feel heard, where people feel supported, people feel like they belong, that they're seen, that mm-hmm. they're excited to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think... I mean, there's, again, there's a, there's a fine balance between, I think a lot of people like push back against uh, the whole colloquially known as safe space, right? People kind of like make fun of that or like push back on that. We're like, we're being too soft. We're not, you know, but the, the culture of Christ is an empowering one. And the reason it's empowering is because not only because Christ holds you accountable but he also provides you a safe place to exist. And it's both of those. It's the accountability and the safety. When so often we only focus on the accountability, right? The checkboxes, or we only focus on the safe space. We're like, just do whatever you want. Just be whatever you want. But it's both of them. And it's funny because your first comment was stop doing Christ's job, right? Yeah. So Christ's job can be to hold you accountable and you know, I have had so many spiritual moments where my heart feels like pierced. I need to do something different. Mm-hmm. I need to change that. And God can communicate that to you. So what we can do as members is create the safe space for people to come to Christ so he can hold them accountable. He can yes. pierce their hearts. He can help guide them and empower them. Okay. So maybe he does need our help with creating safe spaces. Yes. Yes. yes he does. Yes. He does need our help in that. In that he regard. wants our help. Yes. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Okay. Do you think that some members feel better about themselves when they see others have missed the mark? Yes. <laughs> Which yeah. is so sad. I know. I mean, oh, I don't know. I feel like sometimes, I, I mean, I can remember like little moments in school if I get a better score on my test and someone's like, oh, mm-hmm. I didn't do that bad. <laughs> like, oh, yikes. totally. No, totally. And it's also kind of this self-serving cycle right where when you're keeping when you're checking all the boxes it's kind of like when you're you know when you let people know you're fasting your reward is people feel bad for you when you're checking all the boxes and people go oh my gosh look at you checking all the boxes and you go yeah i know like that's kind of your reward especially when you see other people not checking their boxes then you think look at me like all my boxes are checked like it, I'm like I'm doing better than you are and that's your reward great way to go like you know way to check your boxes your reward is feeling good about that and feeling better than other people you know what I will say though the more I've thought about this is I feel better like not better about myself when someone's missed the mark but it's like oh you too cool like same mm-hmm. i miss the mark every day like welcome <laughs> that mark is missed welcome multiple times like so I I don't feel like better about myself. Like I just feel more validated. Yeah, I don't know. Is no, that totally. the right word? Validated. And I, I think don't know. the the feeling of feeling better is not sustainable and it's not lasting. When when you're keeping that when you're keeping the check boxes, that feeling of of feeling better about yourself is not a um, deep one. It's a very shallow one, and it's not long lasting at all. Whereas that that connection that you make with other people who have also missed the mark, that's real. That's lasting. Right. You can't you can't fake that. Yeah. No. So I think that's huge. Um, I th- I would you know, whoever submitted that question, though, like, do you like how do you feel better about yourself when, you yeah. know, I think because we all can think about that question. And um, I don't know, I think it might just say something about where we are and how we view other people and and how much we, I guess, care about the outward facing benchmark checklist things. Mm-hmm. Um. And if someone else is missing them, and if you're missing them, because you are, we all are, just think about the intention of why I'm doing this, right? Like, why why did I miss that mark? Or why am I hitting these marks? Is it just so everyone knows I yes. am? Yes. Yeah. The key is intention. I totally agree with that. Okay. This question is a big one. So here's my confession for the night. I I love confessions. This is not going to be as fun as you thought it was. This is not as exciting as I made that sound. So when I put my questions on Instagram, I thought you could go back and look at the questions afterward. After the story's gone away, you can't. So like tons of you submitted really good questions to my, did I say a questions? Some (laughs) of you submitted really good questions to my account and they're gone. But I do remember quite a few people submitting questions about missions and we need to talk about it. Yeah. We're going to do an entire episode about it. Yeah. Because it's such a big problem. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot to be said. So, but I will say this, um, just because you didn't serve or came home early from a mission does not mean you're a second rate member of the church. And just because you did serve doesn't mean you're better than people who didn't. <laughs> oh. I'm going to throw that out there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We're going to yeah. do a whole episode on it. A whole episode. So, a- and, and there are people out there who will still date and marry you if you didn't serve a full or any mission. 
Yes. You're not less attractive or less good of a partner because you didn't serve. And I apologize on behalf of the entire world if someone has told you that. Yeah. So listen to our next episode. Yeah, because it's going to be Do we have takeaways for these questions? Um, We don't. We did have one more question, or it was a statement that said we should have famous people as guests on our podcast. And so my question to you, people, is if you know someone famous, send them our way. Yeah, like whoever. I won't. Harry Styles, I wouldn't be (laughs) mad. We'll have famous people on here when we know famous people. (laughs) Yeah. Or when we're famous. So stay tuned (laughs) once again. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Thank you for listening. My name's Anna. My name's Alicia. And And this this is Popping Perfectionism. Perfectionism.